Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. One thing that was interesting to me was it took about six months, I think, for the soul-sucking job to wear off. So I think it took months for my mindset to get into the freedom of traveling and stop being so stressed. That was my guest today, Becca, who shares how she gave up a high-paying corporate job for a life of indefinite travel. She took off with no end date, and she gets into her entire story in a very special episode that was recorded a year and a half apart. This is one of these transition to travel episodes where I do an interview with somebody just when they're about to quit their job and travel. And then we catch up with them much later after they've been on the road for a while and see how things have gone for them and get their best advice and travel tips and strategies for you. So when you're making a transition to travel in your life, you can benefit from uh, hearing these stories and these experiences. And man, there's a ton in this episode today. She talks about why she's pretending she didn't have a lot of money, even though she had saved quite a bit, how she cut back to save a lot of money before her trip, what she would do differently if she could do it again, We touch on solo female travel, the importance of having an emergency fund. Should you or should you not bring a laptop when you're taking off to travel indefinitely? And so much more in this show. It's all happening right now. Let's get into it. Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to this Year to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. One of my favorite types of episodes that I do here on the podcast. We got another one coming at you today. Transition to travel. And if you like these style episodes, you can always search in the feed transition to travel or on the website zero to travel.com and you will find other shows like this. And these are really special because 
they are recorded over a long period of time, and uh, it's a treat to be able to talk to somebody right when they're in the, they're in the thick of getting ready to travel either long term or take a gap year or do something like Becca was doing, which is traveling indefinitely. She was quitting a high-paying corporate job, giving up that big salary for more freedom. How did that work out for her? What's the reality of that? You know, you get to hear somebody's uh, perspective on on how that played out uh, for an individual. And of course, you know, through these conversations, we can often take a, a lot away that we can incorporate in our own uh, journeys or in our own lives. And I found a lot of inspiration talking to Becca. And, uh, you know, this is one of the transition to travel episodes that took the longest to get out. So uh, apologies to Becca. It just took way too long to get, get out onto the uh, airwaves here. But uh, we recorded the first interview for this back in September of 2018. And then I followed up with her uh, you'll hear where she's at in the world uh, when I followed up with her March 2020, and uh, that around that time frame might ring a bell for people because that's just when the pandemic started happening. So that part of the conversation was a little dated uh, in the second part. So I just cut that out. You're not going to hear us talk uh, really too much uh, at all, really about. Uh, the pandemic because it was just happening then and uh, of course it was fresh in the conversation but now you know it's been going on for a while so um, but everything else in this uh, interview here is intact I just thought it made sense to kind of um, take that piece out so I just wanted to to give you a heads up there if you're wondering like hey what's she doing what's going on this global pandemic how does that relate and all that stuff that's uh, how this interview was put together. But um, I just wanted to get this all into one episode. That's the best thing about these transition to travel episodes is you time travel, basically. You talk to somebody right when they're on the brink of like upending their entire lives and doing something, you know, seemingly crazy maybe to some people on the surface, quitting a high paying job to go travel and do it indefinitely without a plan and you know what are you feeling in those moments and what are some of the fears and do any of those fears come to fruition or how does uh, how do your plans the plans you might make or some of the ideas you might have before you got on the road actually play out in reality you know how did she actually get out there and find work what did she do to find work to, to get some supplemental income while she was traveling did she have to dip into her emergency fund how much did she save for her an emergency fund was it a struggle to save that money before she was going uh, you know how was it to actually walk away from the job and all that stuff. I mean, it's just a ton packed in here and uh, you just get so many lessons out of these uh, conversations. So I am so excited to finally get this out to you. And I want to say thanks to Becca for her patience, just her transparency. And she was great because she brought a lot of specific numbers to the table in terms of money to talk about that piece. And she seems like she was really on the ball for tracking her budget and expenses and things like that, which is obviously a hugely important thing for um, travelers. If you're going to go out and travel for a long time, you got to make sure you kind of got that dialed in. You have a little bit of a plan and you know how much money you might need and how you're going to manage the money and if you're going to earn money while you go and, and so on. So we get into all that and much more. Before I get into it, a couple things. First of all, my email is jason at zerototravel.com, always inviting you to get in touch and have gotten some really nice audio messages from people lately and uh, coming up in some future podcasts, I'm going to share some of the audio that I've got from the community 
and answer some questions and and just continue to uh, let you hear some other voices in this community. So if you haven't checked in yet, you can always send me an email. And if you're somebody like Becca, who is gearing up to really radically change your life to, to incorporate more travel, and you want to be part of this transition to travel series, then get in touch and let me know where you're at and we'll see if uh, we can make something work. You know, Becca was just a listener to the podcast and and you'll hear she emailed me and I just found her story compelling. So I invited her to do this. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, again, I love to highlight people in the listening community, whether it's, you know, quick audio messages you're sending over via email or something like this where it's really just sharing your story and your journey. So, uh, you know, people can, other people can hear it and, and take the best lessons or, or some new perspectives or ideas from that. So if that's you and you're maybe in a, in a stage where you're making some big changes and you might want to share, you can always hit me up. And don't forget over at zero to travel.com, we have a whole email list and newsletter community. And the newsletter is really like travel and beyond really what I do at the podcast here. We talk about travel and, and there's some destination stuff there, but it also, you know, some of the bigger things around travel, like how travel can change your life and uh, what some of the trends are that are going on. I mean, in the last uh, newsletter I sent out, I shared um, some articles I came across. One uh, was about a new digital nomad community that just uh, sprung up in Europe. It's the first digital nomad village and talk about the concept of the Norwegian free loofs leave and how that's changed my life and, and, you know, different perspectives and things like that. So if you like to hear some of my thoughts around travel related topics and get some helpful links uh, each week and things like that, mostly each week, then uh, just sign up for the newsletter, zerototravel.com. You can sign up right there on the homepage right now. I have an audio bonus I'm giving you as well. It's exclusive audio for people that sign up. So uh, just don't want you to miss more uh, resources and, and additional things that can help you travel and uh you know it's the same vibe as the podcast here but uh just in written form and i'm actually thinking about adding an audio component to the newsletter if that's something you're interested in just let me know this is a two-way conversation and uh, i'm so fortunate to be uh the host of this platform but this is a community powered show and this show is for you so if you have any guest recommendations tips send me some audio get on the newsletter list all that good stuff just keep in touch Keep in touch. Okay, without further ado, I'm going to get into this wonderful two-part chat with Becca where we do some time traveling just to reiterate again. The first part of this conversation was recorded in September 2018th. 2018th? <laughs> 2018. And then we will go into the time capsule and uh, pick up in March of 2020. And you can hear how everything went for Becca going from uh, a huge salary to a life on the road, an unpredictable life on the road. We'll see how it played out. So please enjoy our chat and uh, stick around on the other side. I got a couple thoughts to share for you about uh, the frugal lifestyle and saving money for travel and pace of life. So stick around for that. See you on the other side. Now, here's my chat with Becca. Okay, so I'm just jumping on a call here with my new friend, Becca Hall, who's looking right back at me on Skype. And this is one of those special transition to travel episodes. If you've heard one before, 
you know it's a two-part thing where we do an interview with somebody before they make the dramatic leap to long-term or full-time travel and what that's all about. And then the after. So we'll talk to you some months down the road. I'm not sure when, Becca. But anyway, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast. And it's nice to see your smiling face. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks for being here. Thanks for the email. And you know, you weren't even asking to come on the show or anything. You were just sharing your story. And these are emails I love to get. If you listen to the show, you know. I, I'm not going to go through the whole email, but we can talk about it here. But basically, the gist of it is, you know, you said you've been listening to the podcast for a while. And at the time of this email, you're about two months out from taking off for a new life on the road. And I'm so excited is what you said. You did say a lot of nice things about the podcast. So thank you. <laughs> of course. This is a pretty big deal for you because from what I know about you and what you told me, you, you've been working in this tech world and you're kind of doing sort of the corporate thing, I guess. So I guess I just want to learn a little bit more about where, where are you today? Like how far are you out? Have you quit your job? What are you doing? What's, what's going on? <laughs> well, right now I'm actually sitting at work. I got a conference room in San Francisco and I'm working at a nonprofit healthcare company. So it's nonprofit, so it's not technically corporate, but it feels really corporate. It feels really bureaucratic and it's all, you know, I have to wear a certain style of clothes and walk the same path to work every day. And it's been hard. Um, but also it's been good in other ways. So I'm really looking forward to my travel, which starts, let's see, a month and a half. And so I haven't quit yet. I haven't told okay. them. Wow. I hope these um, are thick walls, Becca, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is pretty, pretty gutsy. You know, you're just, uh, I'm just going to grab this conference room and do this interview <laughs> about how I'm going to be leaving you all in a month and a half. I Peace know. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you put your yeah, headphones so I, on. <laughs> I got a conference room all the way across from my usual desk, and it's actually my favorite one. It looks out over the bay, oh, nice. and it's a little foggy oh. right now, but there's the Golden Gate Bridge over there. Oh, boy. It's I really miss, nice. I miss that city. Well, I mean, those kind of things make it hard to leave, right? I mean, you're, you're, do you enjoy San Francisco? Is that where you grew up? or? Um, I've been here for four years. I really do enjoy it. It's a great city with so much to do. Um, I really like the focus on parks. There's tons of parks, um, great nightlife, awesome people, great like kind of vibe um, of all the people around. But you know what? What kind of drew me in was the bars and the restaurants and the nightlife. And lately, I haven't really been doing that as much because I've been more focused on saving and you know the transition to travel. So it's kind of it still appeals in some ways, but at the same time, I'm kind of over it and I'm ready for something new. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into some saving tips and everything because I know you've been able to save quite a bit of money. The nonprofit that you've been working at, have you been there the whole four years you've been in San Francisco? No. So when I first got to San Francisco, I was lucky to score a internship where I learned how to program in Python. And that was really, really useful, but it was only five months. And that was kind of my first taste of the, you know, full-time job corporate type of thing. That was a startup, um, but it was, it was a lot. And they wanted me to work overtime all the time. And I was just like, wow, I need to get away from that. So I worked at a hostel and at a camping store 
and um, did some like part-time programming. Um, and so I sort of mixed it up with part-time jobs for a few years so I could take time off and travel pretty easily. Um, but then then I found this job and I've been here about a year and a half. And I don't know, I'm kind of <laughs> hitting my limit, but it's been good in, in certain ways. Yeah, I mean, and working at a nonprofit, it's it sounds like I'm sure you guys are doing some good stuff. So that that's another layer of uh, something you have to leave behind, I guess. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, Massachusetts. Okay. And sure. so just give us the timeline. Then you finished school. Did you do this internship right after school? Is that what happened in a yes. series of odd jobs and then this nonprofit thing? Or was there another, was there more stuff right. in there? So I lived in Western Mass, you know, my whole growing up life and went to college in Amherst, not far from home. And then as soon as I graduated, I did, uh, well, actually before I graduated, I did study abroad and that was in England. And that's where I sort of got my love of travel. Um, and then when I graduated, I did a three week trip around Europe. And then within two months after that, I moved out here to San Francisco. And so I've been here four years. So the first, I guess, two and a half years were kind of just making it work with smaller odd jobs and part-time jobs. And then the last year and a half have been at this job. So it was the, the study abroad experience that was the thing that kind of opened your eyes to maybe travel being more of a thing that you, that you want to make, like add into your life, I suppose? Yeah, honestly, my, before that, my main, I guess, priority in life was kind of partying a little bit, which sounds really silly. But when, once I went over to England, I just found, you know, all of Europe and all the, I don't know, I loved comparing the culture of my school in England, Manchester, University of Manchester versus my school at home and all the differences. And then when I would travel to different places, just comparing the culture, like how certain areas like Spain have siestas in the middle of the day. And you don't know that until you go over there or the, you know, fruit tastes different and all this kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden my priorities started changing and now it's definitely travel and, you know, alongside hoping to help people along the way. I haven't quite figured out what it's all going to be, but yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you said you were going to start a blog called OffBeatEarthTrotter.com. Is that right? Yep. And I started that almost a year ago, but it's been slow going because I've been working on getting my skills up, my writing skills and all that. Right on. Um, but all that stuff yeah. takes time. Okay. So you also mentioned in the email your favorite vacation was seven weeks backpacking through Hawaii on $20 a day budget sleeping in tent, yeah. hitchhiking around and stuff. I've done some camping in Hawaii and stuff too. It's pretty epic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it sounds like you're really into budget travel and that sort of uh, style of travel. So I'm just curious if you want to, I mean, this would be the time to share some of the tips that you've uh, learned over some of these years, uh, budget traveling. Totally. Yeah. So my first travel was that it was while I was in England and I was um, they get a long Easter break, so I traveled around Europe then. And I didn't know anything about really logistics of travel, and so I just kind of piggybacked all my friends' plans and went to stayed in hostels and 
stuff like that and spent a lot of money. And uh, then I kind of started doing more budget travel just out of necessity. Once I finished my internship where I felt like I was rich because I was making seventeen fifty an hour, which now is, seems like not that much. But when I stopped, I was still in that sort of spending habit. And that's when I realized, wow, if I keep spending like this, I'm going to have zero dollars. So um, I tracked my spending on mint.com, which I highly recommend, just so you know how much you're spending. There's probably other websites too, but that's what I use. And um, just by being more conscious of what I was spending, I ended up saving a thousand dollars a month, like spending less than spending a thousand dollars less than I had previously. Um, and that's, I think, gotten even lower since. Um, and so I think the best budget travel, um, I guess, advice that I have is to make budget travel your lifestyle every day. So, you know, when making a purchase, think about it. Is this really what I need? And, you know, could I instead spend this on something that I have to spend on anyway? That's where I, where I frame a lot of my um, kind of budget mindset is. Um, so a burrito is like seven bucks and a Uber ride is seven bucks. If I just don't take this Uber, I could get a burrito and that's one meal. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of how I think about it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, what could help jumpstart the budget mindset is doing either a no spend month, which I haven't done myself, but I think that would really help. So basically, you only spend on necessities for a month. Um, so that includes, you know, rent gas, whatever, um, food, but I mean, it's not go to a restaurant and get food. It's you're making your own food. You're going to the grocery store. And when you do that, it really kind of shows your needs versus your wants. I sort of did that in Hawaii when I went traveling there. So I was traveling for seven weeks through Hawaii and I had just read the book into the wild about, um, Alexander Superchamp. Have you read that one? Yes. Yeah, it's really inspiring. And he just kind of, he, I mean, some of his decisions aren't great, but he buried all his money and just did it on the super cheap. And so he was hitchhiking around and um, camping out in Alaska and all sorts of places and having all these adventures, even though he wasn't spending money. So when I went to Hawaii, I was like, I kind of want to do that. So uh, my goal was $17 a day, but if I did $20 a day, that would be a thousand bucks in total for 50 days. So I ended up making it $19 a day. And how I did that was I tracked everything I spent on my phone. So if I paid $2 for the bus, I put a two on my phone. If I, you know, bought a, I don't know, sandwich for five dollars I put a five in my phone and then tallied it up at the end um you know each day and it evened out to nineteen dollars so that's how certain things like buying a beer it's like I can't justify buying a beer for six dollars when my budget for the day is only 20 
And so it really showed my needs versus my wants. Um, and there's so many, you know, places you can save money, um, especially if you're camping. National parks and all that often have free camping if you go into the wilderness. Um, and some of that wilderness is only like half a mile off the road. For example, up north in Redwood National Forest, I got free camping for five days um, on a beautiful beach a half mile from the parking. <laughs> and, you know, there's just so many options for that kind of stuff. And there you are in, you know, supposedly one of the most expensive destinations, but these are the things that are possible when you have that mindset. And I love the idea of the no spend month as an experiment. And I think anybody could do that mm -hmm. for a month if you're listening to this and you have, you know, you think too much money is going out and you want to save more for travel. I think that's a great low barrier way to kind of test this out. And then, like you said, pairing that with mint.com or something where you can start really figuring out where your money's going. Having the budget like that, in your experience, how does it enhance the travel experience? And then also, how does it limit it? Because I'm sure it's not always fun, right? Mm. So yeah, it was crazy. Every day was an adventure of some kind, whether it was renting a bike for $10, you know, and spending all day on the bike, or hiking through a national park or finding people to um, go on hikes with you. All that stuff is either free or really cheap. And um, so, but in terms of how does it enhance the experience, I think about it this way, and I sort of figured this out more recently, but when I'm traveling cheap, I meet other people who are traveling cheap. And who do I want to hang out with while I'm traveling? Do I want to hang out with people who are down to earth, maybe don't have, you know, all that much money, but they're still making it happen and um, like to go out and go hiking and go camping? Or do I want to hang out with the people who are getting the five-star hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff? So it's, I think you attract what you are in a way. And so even if I have a lot of money in my bank, if I just pretend I don't <laughs> and just travel like I'm kind of doing it on the super cheap like I like to, then that's the people I attract. And that's personally who I like to travel with. So that's, you know, when people say you're going to meet the best people staying in hostels. Yeah, totally. You're going to meet way more people staying in hostels than if you stay in a hotel. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's good to think about that kind of thing. Yeah, it just gets you around a different vibe. Like you said, there's maybe, maybe it's a little more like-minded in terms of the travel style. You know, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to say no to a five-star hotel if I can, you know, treat myself to sure, one or something. Yeah. But but overall, I think the the budget travel style is, I don't know, gets you more in touch with, I think, the local culture and, and things like Definitely. that. I'm just wondering how much you brought it up in your own head or if it just kind of became a natural thing, like, or, or was it every day, like, okay, I really got to make sure. I know because you're tracking each number every time you do something, but were you ever just like, oh, this is kind of annoying like I just want to go have a beer and I can't or was it just could it, <laughs> just after a while this has become this sort of habit of kind of hey this is just kind of 
the style of thing. I want to be in nature. I want to do these things. And I don't even really think about this budget anymore that much. Definitely. It was on the mind a lot. And I kind of thought of it as a challenge. Like I don't, I did have money, extra money saved up so I could, you know, spend if I needed to. One thing I do, if I did it again, and I, I think I will, is I would kind of get an emergency fund that I was okay spending because say I stayed at a couch surfing host who was being super creepy. And instead of checking out the local hostels, which would be definitely more than $20 a day, uh, I just kind of stuck it out and I packed my backpack so that it was ready if in case I needed to leave, but I stayed at the house and everything was okay. But I think if I did it again, I would have a, just like a emergency fund to use in those cases. So maybe set aside 200 bucks in case I need a last minute hostel or something. Were you traveling um, by or, yourself? Yeah. Um, so it was seven weeks and three of those weeks I had three different friends with me. And then four of the weeks I was by myself. Um, and so that couch surfing experience was by myself. But then I had another weird experience um, with when I was with my aunt um, the first week I was there in Maui, where we, it was also couch surfing again. The host said that we could come by at 11 that night and we waited till 11 and then he stopped answering. So now it's in the dark. We don't know where we're going to camp. Are we going to camp out on the beach and just not set up a tent? But we ended up hailing a cab, which I usually wouldn't have done via the budget, but we talked her into a decent price and got a ride to a campground. So um, I think it's good to, even if I'm like challenging myself with a budget, it's good to think about safety yeah. first and yeah. then budget second. I like that tip. And then having, we're going to talk about your emergency fund because you, well, I wouldn't even call it an emergency fund, but you have a big one. And, and I do like your approach to this for your, for your upcoming you know, longer term mm -hmm. sort of indefinite travel plans. You know, I, I can never speak to solo female travel because, well, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, so anytime I get a chance to talk to somebody that has that experience, um, you know, I always appreciate any, any advice you have to share. And, um, you know, I think it's empowering for other women that maybe haven't traveled on their own and, and are maybe intimidated by it to hear from other people who have done it. Um, and, and even some of the scary stories and how that, that things can, how you deal with those types of situations and stuff. So if you want to share any advice on solo female travel or just, you know, how you handled that couch surfing situation or, um, just, you know, things that you've learned along the way in your travel so far, that'd be great. This episode is brought to you by us bank. Recently I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go 
To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, if you're living in a city, it kind of applies same thing, whether you're traveling or living like I live in San Francisco and I'm walking down the street by myself at night all the time. And it's the same thing when I'm traveling. I'm, you know, looking over my shoulder and making sure I'm not like if someone's following me, which doesn't really even happen, but just being aware of if that is happening. Um, Say if I say I was in New Orleans recently and um, and I left my friend, I was like, I'm going to go to bed he said, be careful. Do you want me to walk you back? No, no, I don't need it. And so I'm walking back and I noticed this guy who kind of looks like he's following me. And so I keep my eye on him and he's like, Hey, don't worry. I'm not following you. And we have a conversation. And then I realized, Oh, actually I'm more safe talking to this guy than if I was walking alone. So one tip you could use in a scenario where you're walking alone is say you see a couple next to you either walk near them or ask or start talking to them or ask if you can walk near them. And that sort of puts a little bit of a guard around you, like you're less easy prey. Um, I also did a lot of hitchhiking in Hawaii and in Hawaii it's pretty common. So I didn't feel unsafe there. Um, but still it's like, you know, I get in the car, I check the, make sure I know where the door handle is. Um, always talk to the person in the car first um, or get them to talk to you and don't tell them your destination first so that they, you know, you know where they're going. Um, and you can kind of feel their vibe for a few seconds before you agree to go somewhere. Um, and I didn't really have to turn down rides and I didn't feel uncomfortable in rides either, but that's Hawaii and say in the continental U S It's not as common. You don't really see hitchhikers around. So I wouldn't hitchhike by myself. Have you turned down a ride before anywhere? um, I have. I was hitchhiking with the guy, my partner, and um, we were, this was in Hawaii, and this guy 
he could have been totally, you know, well-meaning, but he invited us back to his house to cook dinner for him. And all we wanted was a ride, you know, an hour away. And, or he's, I don't know, he seemed a little bit nervous and he was mentioning taking us back to his house. And we said, you know, we're actually going the other way, but um, thank you for stopping. Um, And, you know, don't feel bad about doing that. And that's why you don't tell them your destination first um, so that you can say you're going the other way. Another Um, woman I spoke to used to kind of make a joke out of it. I forget how she did. It was another podcast with Jasmine Reese, but Mm -hmm. she would uh, take a picture of their license plate and she would kind of joke like, oh, my mom makes me do this, you know, and she would like text (laughs) it to her mom or to somebody. So they knew, you know, and she'd kind of make it a joke thing, but you know, people didn't seem to care if they didn't have anything to worry about. So that was exactly a, a good tip too. Um, yeah, that's something for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've been able to save with your super budget lifestyle and kind of saying poo-pooing, we'll say, the San Francisco nightlife uh, and the restaurant <laughs> scenes and everything just because I wanted to say poo-pooing. Um, you've saved up $30,000. Yep. In the last yeah. two years or how long did that take? That was, I actually was down to $650 right before I started my job. Really? So that was in the last year and a half. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then you, this has just yeah. been, you've been living this frugal lifestyle, like you said, the budget travel lifestyle, just in your regular life. Yeah. And even, and I'm making quite a bit of money now at my job. So, you know, it's been a well, lot easier quite a bit to of save money. up. Are you, are you allowed to share? Just so people can get an idea. Yeah, I could share. Uh, eighty nine thousand. Okay. So, that's yeah, quite, that's quite good. I mean, at least for me, that feels like a lot. Yeah. Um, but even before when I was so when I was working the part time jobs like at the hostel and other um and the part time programming and all that, I was making thirteen dollars an hour at the hostel, fifteen an hour at the um, programming thing. And my tax return was 15,000 for the whole year, not my tax return, not the return, but my, when I did my taxes, my total income was 15,000 for the year. And that was the same year that I went to Hawaii and went to Burning Man and traveled all around. And I ended up working about half the year in, in terms of total months and traveling the other half of the year. And I made that work. So I don't want to discourage people by giving them my income and thinking that they yeah. can't do it. But you've, you've done yeah, it both when ways. You, yeah, when you have that mindset, it just happens. And also, I'll speak to privilege because I don't have dependents that I need to, you know, provide for, and I'm able to live in a house that's maybe not the best quality because that's fine with me, and I have roommates and all that. So. Um, that definitely opens up more opportunities. And then another thing with privilege is I have my parents would help me if I needed it. So that's a useful safety net. But with the savings that I've made, that's the safety net now, you know, so yeah, I'm sure you're not going to be looking for your parents help any, you know, the idea is to me doing all this stuff on your own. So but like you said, having a safety net like that is nice. Um, But you said in your email, your plans to go to Australia and go on a work mm-hmm. and holiday visa for two years and pretend you don't have $30,000 saved up and just do your mm-hmm. super budget, super budget style. And then you're going to try to pick up some work there and just kind of live off of the money you can make as you go. Is that correct? 
Yep, exactly. Okay. Are you say are you was thirty thousand like a specific goal or is that just kind of the number that happened to? Um, well I was just after the first few months of working, figuring out, okay, I can save approximately this much a month on my lifestyle. So I thought I was actually gonna get to twenty thousand, but yeah, I've far surpassed that now. But it you know what? It doesn't really matter. It's like I would go I would do it if I had ten thousand. I might do it if I had less than that. It's because I'm not planning on using that money. Like I, if all goes well, I'll still have 30,000 at the end of three years of traveling. Yeah. Um, is that the plan? Three years? Is that the No, I don't, I've been thinking about it and I don't know if I even have to go back to a regular job again. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll see. But so this is, I mean, this, I guess the point is this is sort of an indefinite, because you're younger, you can get the work and holiday visa, right? Because you can get that mm-hmm. before you're 30, I believe. In um, 31. You can 31. be up to 31. Okay. So you have that thing going for you in terms of where you're going. But um, it sounds like this is quasi-indefinite thing for you. Um, I like the idea of just kind of treating it like it doesn't exist, the money there, because that's smart. But, I mean, the, the bottom line is you're still leaving an $89,000 a year job. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people listening to this, whatever your salary is, it's hard to leave a steady paycheck. Do you have any fears or emotions around the leaving of the, the sort of the steady paycheck and, and the job? Um, I'm not worried about leaving the paycheck because when I took the job, I was planning on it being a temporary thing where I, my plan actually was just being able to save up a bunch so I can go travel and then go back to work, save up a bunch, go travel again. But since I've been sitting in one place for so long, I've been able to get a good big picture thoughts about my future. And also by listening to your podcast, there's so many ideas of uh, different ways to make the permanent travel life happen. Um, So I wouldn't say I'm scared to leave the steady income because I know I can work, you know, get, I can get a job doing something if I need to. So if I went traveling, got all my money stolen, I don't know, got my backpack stolen and I had to come home, I would be fine because I could just get a job, I don't know, at the cafe or something. And that would be fine. And I think that's the same thing for most people. But I'm not planning on doing that because, um, well, first of all, with the work and holiday visa, I can do that in Australia. I can get a job at a cafe or get a job at a national park. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, and then your episode on seasonal work, that was really good. I think that would be maybe my long-term plan at this time. So after this three years of working holiday visas and two in Australia, one in New Zealand. I could do um, seasonal jobs. That would have to be in the U.S. to get paid, I think. But I could do um, work exchange stuff. So I've done that before. For three weeks in Hawaii, I worked on a farm in exchange for a place to stay and food. Um, You can do that all over the world. So that's a way to kind of not really spend much of anything and keep traveling. And, and it sounds like you were doing also, a little bit of house sitting before you left as well, right? Oh, yeah. I or just made a profile leaving. on trusted house sitters. Um, so, yeah, I did one house sit a couple of weeks ago just to get a 
review on my profile. Sure. Um, but I think it's a smart yeah, idea that's... to do something like that before you leave, just to see a if you like it, and b just to get a little build up a little credibility on right. one of the platforms, you know. Yeah, and there's pros and cons to traveling like that. So you have to kind of be um, at the house every day, not all day, but you know, if you're looking after a dog, you're going to have to take them out a few times a day. So if you're planning on staying somewhere and, you know, being out for the night or being out all day, house sitting might not be the way, but if I'm trying to work on my blog and trying to maybe build up some income, house sitting is kind of perfect for that. And you do that, right, Jason? Yeah, I have done it, but, uh, pretty limited. I've never, I've never done it as, like my means of travel for months on end mm. before. So, yeah. um, but I am interested in the idea of that, but that's another topic. Mm-hmm. I guess it sounds like you're at ease with just this idea that, Hey, things are open, but I'm always going to be able to find something and make it work out. But there must be something you're nervous about or worried about when it <laughs> comes to this new chapter in your life. Yeah. Well, I guess my biggest, it doesn't feel like it's unease at the moment, but I think it, maybe deep down it is, is that I haven't figured out a sense of income on the road. And so I've been kind of dipping my toes in the water with starting my blog, taking a writing class. I've taken a free online photography class. I'm kind of getting into that a little bit. And then, um, I don't know, just, uh, you know, I've got the programming, but I'm not making income from any of those things. So, and I don't know if I want to travel with my computer or if I want to leave my computer at home or, you know, it's kind of right now I'm in that stage of, you know, what am I going to bring? How am I traveling? Cause usually I like being leave you know, super budget. At tra- home. <laughs> leave your you think computer so? I do. I mean, I, I guess I'm bu- a little biased because I traveled like that for so long. Cause I'm an older dude, I suppose. And, uh, you know, I, then the internet wasn't as much of an option really, or I just didn't, I didn't have a laptop or anything like that. And you could go to internet cafes and things like that, but there's so much value in that experience, at least for me personally. And I think it, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty rare. The person that travels that way nowadays, because it's just too easy to kind You're saying of traveling without a computer. So. Yeah. Traveling without a computer. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to both. It would be hard to pass up opportunities with the computer, though, say doing remote, you know, income streams. But I think the bigger problem with Australia is you can't ship stuff over very cheaply and things cost more over there. So I'm going to be going to my plan in Australia for the first few months is to just travel around volunteer at festivals, um, and, you know, backpack around and computer is not great for that. But then after that, I'm probably going to settle down in maybe Melbourne or somewhere and, you know, having a computer might be helpful. So I don't know. I'm back and forth. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's, listen, I run a whole community called Location Indie that's all about helping people work from anywhere from their laptops. And, uh, it's something I got interested in and passionate about later. Um, and I, I do very much enjoy the work travel lifestyle. I love that I can, you know, go and work from anywhere and that's so awesome. But also I also value my travel experience before that when I was sort of untethered. And um, so I see, I mean, obviously working with people that are doing this and many, many people that are doing this 
location dependent thing, whether it's um, through your own business or like you said, maybe you're getting gigs on the road and, and you're just able to work remotely for a company or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different kind of travel experience. That's all. So it, it, it comes down to like, what kind of travel experience do you want to have? You know, do you want to be working in a national park and not like completely disconnected? Or do you want to have that, you know, thing to go to and have that creative outlet for the writing or, or whatever? I mean, it's, it's a personal decision. But um, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't one I had to make back in the day, really. Or maybe I could have, but I, I don't know. I'm just glad I played that out that way for me personally, but everybody's got to do their own thing. Um, but those are good things to kind of be thinking about, I think. And the fact that you're considering even leaving it behind, I think is, is a cool thing. How do your friends and family kind of feel about this whole plan to just take off and travel? Are they cool with it? Um, at this point, it doesn't really uh, just used to surprise it. them. Okay. <laughs> you got them used to it? <laughs> I've definitely got them used to it. My parents definitely used to be a little bit more, um, I guess, on edge about my decisions around taking off and doing whatever. But they've seen that I can be successful and I can work a full-time job if I need to and, you know, make good money and good decisions. So they're... I mean, they'd rather I be closer, but I think in terms of the actual traveling, they're happy for me. And my friends definitely sad to see me leaving, but happy for me. And um, they're like, oh, when can I visit? You know, so <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's out for you. I've found this too, uh, that parents will recalibrate to their new reality. You know, after a while, if you're somebody that's worried about oh, well, I'm, I just want to be me and do these things. And like, I know they're going to think it's crazy. But then eventually, after you do it for a while, they just kind of understand, okay, this person knows what they're doing. They're safe. Or my son, this person, my son or daughter or whatever the case is, this person. Uh, <laughs> so there, it, it kind of evolves in that way. I know that can be a scary, that can be, there are a lot of fears that can come for different reasons when you go to make a leap like this, where you're leaving a job and you're going to travel indefinitely, which is why I like to do these episodes to find out what those fears are. That can be one for some people, but it sounds like you're kind of, you've already kind of got them accustomed to the fact that, Hey, Becca's just, Hey, she's out there hitchhiking, whatever. Maybe you don't tell them all the stories, you know, <laughs> hopefully they don't listen to this pod. Like, what? Wait a minute. What they do you try mean? to pretend they don't know yeah. about the okay. hitchhiking and all that. Well, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not really concerned with us doing an interview, say, you know, 10 months from now and you being miserable, but I, <laughs> I think you're going to be enjoying your indefinite travels, but it will be interesting to see, you know, where you landed in terms of some of these decisions with what type of work you were going to find and how it all plays mm -hmm. out. And, um, whether you know, I bring the, my computer yeah, or not computer question and all this stuff. So leave you in little, suspense. Yeah, it's cool. We got a little audio snapshot of uh, do some time traveling here. That's what I love about these episodes. So let's connect. I don't know. Some months down the road. I think we got to wait till sometime next year. And yeah. you just got to ping me back and and say you know eight or ten months or something. And I'll put something on my calendar too, so we make sure we can connect and let's kind of dig in and see where you are. And you're leaving your job or you're telling them in about a month uh, it's time from now. Is that Probably right? the end of this month okay. or I guess in a few weeks, maybe like two weeks or so. In a few weeks. <laughs> so good luck with that. And maybe you can send me a picture like out front the day you quit or something. We can put it next to the other picture of you working on 
with llamas <laughs> or something somewhere. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> Good luck quitting the job. And then um, when are you going to leave? Or do you have a plane ticket already? I have almost all my plane tickets. So I'm going to head out October 20th. That's about a month and a half from now at the time of this recording. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to leave from here, go back to Massachusetts, see my friends and family for a few weeks. And then I'm going to go to flying into Melbourne on, I'll get there with the November 14th. And are you by yourself? Are you going with? uh... Well, actually, I'm going with Marcel, my partner. Um, We don't use labels or anything. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so we're both going to go. We're planning on kind of traveling together a little bit and then separating and then coming together to do some travel and kind of finding our own ways because there's so much beauty in solo travel, but then coming together and doing things together because Uh, that's so awesome as well. Well, this is another thing we're going to have to see how it plays out. Oh, definitely. Yep. (laughs) Will there be a partner in the future? Won't there be? We don't know. We'll say there is going to be. Hey, you never know where life treats. It's going to take you when you're on the road. I'm sending you guys good vibes, though. But uh, I guess you do use one label, and that's partner, right? <laughs> well, that's because it's the kind you of least descript, and it right. doesn't bring about some picture that people have in their mind. Yeah. So, so you guys are kind of keeping this open in the sense of you don't want the relationship to be any type of barrier to the adventures you want to have. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and we met on the road, so it's kind of just been this on-the-road friendly relationship, but we've, since being in San Francisco, well, he moved to San Francisco, so we've been here together for like a year and a half almost, so that's been a different, I guess, layer to it, but we're looking forward to getting more into the flowy traveler type of vibe together. Yeah, I think that's really cool that you guys have had the conversations around you know, what you want to get out of the travel experience and how you want that to play into mm-hmm. how you relate Super to each important. other. Yeah, I think yeah. it is, you know, if, especially if you know deep down or maybe even not so far deep down that, you know, you want to experience solo travel or you want to experience, you know, the spontaneity of being able to take off at a moment's notice or go somewhere and just because the person you're traveling with or in a relationship with is with you, you know, you want to make sure that they're not holding you back if those are things you want to do um, and vice versa. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to both of us to have our own adventures and then come together. And yeah. Space is also important because, you know, if you become each other's routine, that kind of maybe kills romance a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Keeping the a... romance alive. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you in some months. Thanks for your time and good luck with everything you got coming up and yes, uh, safe definitely. travels. And we'll, we'll talk to you somewhere halfway around the world. I'm so excited. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> right, see ya. That was the end of my first interview with Becca back in September of 2018. Now, let's skip ahead, do a little time traveling and catch up with Becca in March of 2020, a year and a half later. We're back. A year and a half later. One year and a half later. Do you, can you believe that we recorded a year and a half ago? 
Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a (laughs) while. It took a while to get this one back on the books. And it's always good. Like the longer you wait, um, it's almost more impactful because when I get to talk to somebody before they had quit their job to go traveling, it's like, it's really interesting to see the twists and turns that life takes based on the decision just to go traveling. So anyway, welcome back to the show, Becca. Like like I said, last time we, we spoke, you were about a month and a half from leaving and quitting your job at the nonprofit, which was like a very well-paying job. And you had saved 30,000 bucks. You shared how you did that. So tell us what went down. You quit your job? Well, (laughs) I quit my job. (laughs) Follow through, first of all, because you're here. So if you didn't follow through, you'd be like, no, I'm still on my job. I'd be like, all right, that's the end of this episode. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all right. No, yeah, I definitely quit my job. That was number one. Um, Was that hard uh, when it came down to it? Was it hard to give up the, were you like, oh my gosh, I'm giving this up. This is insane. Actually, I felt so good after quitting my job. Like, um, I was actually really surprised at how supportive people were at my job. People who aren't travelers, they were like, yeah, good for you. I wish I had done that when I was your age. And yeah, that helped, I think. Um, But no, I was really ready to get out of there. After that, I went back to the East Coast to visit family for a few weeks. And then I headed off to Australia. <laughs> I'm still in Australia now, by the way. Are you? I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask where you were because, well, I, I never know what's going to happen where, when people leave like this. Uh, I, I mean, were you planning? Did you think at the time that a year and a half later you'd still be in Australia? Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the plan. It's it's never a solid plan, but that was in my outline because Australia has this working holiday visa. And so that's two years. You don't have to do the two years back to back, but they actually just added a third year as well, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, this was the plan and I've been around. I went to Asia and came back to Australia and I love it here, really. Yeah. It's great. And what have you been doing there for work? I spent four and a half months or so um, bartending, which was really cool. It was my first time bartending. Um, it's a really good skill to have as a traveler, I think, because everywhere needs bartenders. Um, and the other, I guess, third of my income, it's like I actually did some calculations today, which I can share. But I made about, this is in Australian dollars, 12000 uh, at the bar job and almost 5000 um, just from working at music festivals. Oh, so really? that's kind Doing of where what? things have um, All kinds of stuff. Sometimes bartending. Um, I've been working with volunteer coordinating. Um, I was doing harm reduction programs. Um, how much was uh, how much is that roughly in U.S. dollars? Um, so right now the exchange rate is well in the U.S.'s favor. Um, so let's see. So I made about seventeen thousand Australian, which is just over ten thousand U.S. But the I'm not going to trade in the Australian dollars until the exchange rate is better. So. We will see. I mean, but it's still a a far cry from your salary back at the nonprofit, <laughs> right? Was that a tough adjustment oh, yeah. to kind of taking, kind of working, spending the same amount of hours maybe working, but you're doing something, obviously you're having a different experience and you're traveling, uh, but you're also making a lot less money. I mean, did you ever think about that? Did it bother you? Or was it just like, hey, this is, I'm doing what I want. I'm out in the world and this is, nothing. this is, money related it's more of just you know i'm just curious about your thoughts about that right yeah i guess i i didn't frame it in that way well mostly because i'm not working nearly as much as i was when i was making that much money i worked four and a half months out of the last 17 months uh at a bar four days a week and the rest has just been weekends once in a while so i'm mostly not working so i think giving up uh i don't even know lots of money income for so much freedom it just feels so worth it and the way i frame it is less of what's the income i have coming more of like i kind of have this cushion to rest on where a lot of the people i'm traveling with they're like down to their last i don't know 100 bucks sometimes and I don't have to think about life that way. Like I have this cushion, but I'm spending, I'm, I'm spending, I'm traveling on a budget so that I can keep that cushion. Yeah. Basically. Have you dipped into the money that you saved or have you been just living off of what you've been earning? Yeah, I've dipped into what I've saved. Um, so in US dollars, I'm about 7,000 um, under what I was. So I'm, Still at like, yeah, good 
good chunk of the original balance. So I could keep going like this for years. (laughs) And do you think you will? Yeah, I think I will. I mean, it's nice to be making money here in Australia. Other places, I don't know how I'll be making money. You know, we'll see. How has having the extra freedom benefited you, uh, I would say, like emotionally or um, just in your life? Being able to think less about where's the next income coming from. Um, Yeah, just having more freedom to move around without thinking about where's the income coming from. And working festivals is just fun. Like, I enjoy it. Um, The money is an extra with that. Um, But it is, like, I, I wasn't planning on dipping into my savings, so I'd like to get a job, but it's not like, I must get a job right now. It's like, all right, let me think about when's the best time to make some money and what kind of job will work well with also having flexibility to do what I want. And yeah, I think just having that cushion has helped with, I don't know, extra freedom, Yeah, freedom in the freedom. (laughs) What do you think uh, are some things that you've learned about yourself that you wouldn't have otherwise if you had just remained in your previous sort of uh, routines or situation? And that's hard to say, I know, because you, you learn things no matter whether you're traveling or not. But I think getting out there and doing different things teaches you. Obviously, having if you were back there, you wouldn't have had the bartending in Australia experience, for example, or you know, meeting people from different places uh, in the way that you are. So each experience is unique. But yeah, what what are some things you think that uh, you've learned over the last year and a half that maybe you wouldn't have learned if you had just stayed home? Yeah, well, like you said, the bartending and working festivals was something that I had thought about doing before. But when you're in the U.S. and you have access to full-time jobs and everybody wants you to be working full-time jobs, there's not much room for working festivals where you need, I don't know, a week or two off at a time. So this was just a really good opportunity to actually do that, explore that. And I love the lifestyle. Um in terms of um, like more abstract things that I've learned, I would say one thing that was interesting to me was it took about six months, I think, to for the kind of soul-sucking job to wear off. So I think it took months for my mindset to get into the freedom of traveling and stop being so stressed and almost... I almost had like this dark cloud over me when I was working and then it stayed for months after. So like while you were traveling or yeah, while I was traveling. So I think just noticing how my mindset is and how much work or the environment that I'm in can actually affect my vibration that I'm putting out sort of thing. Um, that was something for sure. And Another big thing that happened is I bought a van and I built it out by myself. So I learned all this mechanical stuff and construction. Like I didn't know any of that before. Now I turned a van into a little house and drive around. I learned how to drive manual and drive on the left side of the road. It's super cool. Did you just YouTube all that stuff or were you asking like somebody show you things? (laughs) How did you figure all that out? 
Yeah, YouTube was a big one and Facebook groups. There's lots of Facebook groups for band building. Um, I think the hardest part of YouTube is you see the really nice expensive builds on there and you don't really see the budget builds. So it's hard to sort out what are the actual things you need versus the extras. Um, Yeah, all kinds of stuff you can learn online. Crazy. Yeah. Were you living in the van for a while? Was that the the point, I guess? (laughs) The point was, well... I spent the first six months of this trip just backpacking. Um, and I got like some serious travel fatigue. And this is when you had the dark cloud kind of at the same time, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. But then, yeah, the travel fatigue came like super strong where I didn't I wanted to go hiking, but I couldn't plan it. Like I just couldn't get myself to plan anything. And I just was feeling kind of like I wanted home, but I didn't want to go home. And so the van is a sort of a way to have home on the road. And then also backpacking, I find you're usually kind of going from city to city. And so with the van, you can actually explore what's in between the cities so that was the idea with the van. But yeah, it's been great. I'm not a huge fan of just road tripping in it because that's what I did. I drove down the whole East Coast um, and it was kind of stressful driving, having to drive three hours every day or something like that. But um, taking it to festivals is perfect. I've got a fridge in there and don't have to set up camp. Just like drive in and turn the key off and I'm there. I'm good great yeah that's cool i'm pretty impressed that you know you're only seven grand into your savings and you've also bought a van and retrofitted it that's pretty impressive yeah so i calculated how much i spent on the van so my van this is in australian dollars but my van was like three thousand three hundred and then the van plus the build plus the maintenance and the registration and all that was 7,900, which is about 4,700 US. So sorry, that's a lot of numbers, uh, but what do you use for, uh, for keeping your track of your budget? Do you have a tool that you use or like, well, yeah. Are you just using a spreadsheet? I guess I just kind of look at my bank balance every once in a while. Um, I do have a note on my phone where I, Every time I spend something van related, I just add it to my note. So just like twenty five gas, ten. So you have your own. You have your own system set up, I guess. Yeah, I'm definitely not like I don't budget in the way that other people do. I just think about each time I spend my money with a budget mindset rather than I don't know tracking it as much as some people do yeah for sure i I, i'm the same way i'm not like uh one of those psychos about budgeting but i'm like sort of generally tracking things which sometimes for better or worse right you know it's interesting when you said about kind of having the travel fatigue with the backpacking and now you've done the van thing and you're also working there's all these different travel styles and i've found that I mean, of course, they change over time throughout your life, I think, a bit here or there, depending on your mood or what you want uh, at that moment that you're traveling. But I do think it's 
it's an important part of the process is like maybe experiencing those modes of travel and understanding what you do or do not like, right? Like the idea of road tripping through Australia sounds pretty awesome, but like you found the reality of having to drive a few hours every day to be kind of not your cup of tea, right? But like you kind of have to do that to find that out, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And of course it's like, yeah, the road tripping is not my favorite style, but there was some really awesome moments in there and I learned a lot. I learned how to drive my van properly and yeah, I don't, I wouldn't regret, I don't regret it, but I kind of was anticipating doing more road trips in it and I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any, um, outside of the, it sounds like the, the dark cloud that you mentioned kind of hanging over you and, and releasing yourself from the energy of the the sort of go-go mindset from having your, your job, which I've, I've found too, it, it, it takes time to adjust to a different pace of life, you know? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like the, the pace of your life totally changes completely. Although on the surface that can sound, well, of course, like, well, yeah, more free time and all this, but like it's also an adjustment as well. Were there other struggles that you've found uh, over the last year and a half that have been hard for you in terms of adjusting to life on the road? Yeah, one thing is the which led to my travel fatigue. The first, I guess, three months of that travel was just in Australia. Um, and I was like really focusing on trying to get couch surfs and cheap accommodation. And it turned into take my backpack across the city on a bus like every two days. And I realize now how that was so not worth it. And I should have just bought an Airbnb or booked a hostel for a week or two if I was in one place. But no, I was always trying to save a few bucks. And yeah, I think that was an adjustment I had to make. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> carrying your backpack around town is just like waste a whole day really of travel um and then another thing i think is like i don't know i guess i'm kind of been used to like when i was working in san francisco i was taking weekend trips long weekends and you kind of want to pack that in as much as you can pack in but when you change to full-time travel then you gotta schedule in breaks like you can't just be go 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 and you and it's sometimes hard not to feel guilty for just taking a break and just sitting in bed all day or I don't know like I think it's really important to schedule breaks just schedule rest and relaxation even if it's maybe it's on a beach maybe it's just in a room and you don't have to feel guilty about it I think that was a big one <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I can remember days just being like, today I'm just going to hang out at this hostel and do laundry and read. And that's all I'm going to do. And I'm not going to see anything. And then feeling a little guilty because you're like in a place where you should go see stuff. Should go. Like you could do whatever you want, of course. But that's that you're right. That is essential to maintain. Yeah, You have to kind of listen to yourself along the way. It's just like you do in regular life. The problem is I think sometimes in regular life, my regular life meaning like not a life on the road at least in my experience like unless you keep the awareness like i think like the routines can kind of disguise 
the ability to like listen to yourself or really tune in as much as uh, when you kind of out on the road and like the 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 scenery is always changing or you're changing locations. I feel like it's you're maybe you're more aware of where like literally physically where you're at in the world. Maybe maybe being aware of that makes you more aware of like where you're at internally. I don't know. I don't know. I, sure. I, I, I Maybe I'm just ranting here. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, I, I feel like, yeah, I can relate to that because one thing I've been, yeah, I've been noticing how my mood is changing based on, I don't know, the environment or my schedule or just whatever. Um, and do you know the concept of being like in the flow? Yeah. Um, yeah. When you're just kind of like, letting things happen and it's just going and it's just good. And I've just been noticing when I'm in the flow and when I get out of the flow and trying to pick up on what's taking me out of the flow and what's bringing me back into it. And I haven't quite figured it out, but yeah, it's this travel lifestyle and not having to be somewhere when somebody says it's time to be there or whatever. It's really allowed me to be in the flow quite a lot actually like I a month ago I think I was at a festival and I was just hanging out with a bunch of new friends and it was amazing and I was just thinking about how many amazing awesome days I've been having lately and even the days when I'm not doing much just so nice and I think the last few months have just been the best times of my life really mm. it's been so good oh I'm really happy to hear that. I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I wanted to touch on one other thing that um, we talked about in the first section. I was asking your opinion on whether I should get a laptop or not. Oh, yeah. What happened with that? Yeah. So I wanted to say I was so into the idea of getting the laptop until I spoke to you. And then I was like, ah, oh, wait a second. Maybe I shouldn't. And so I ended up not getting a laptop and it was such a good decision yes. um, because I was backpacking in the woods and I was at festivals and like, man, the extra weight and the extra worry of having a laptop would have been not worth the p possibility of finding a job online. And so I guess it must have been almost a year into traveling when I got this job with um, the friend whose house I'm staying at now, um, doing festivals with her, and I needed a laptop. So I bought a laptop here, and it was totally fine. It wasn't way more expensive. It was definitely a good decision to wait until I actually needed it. So yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah, there's something nice about the laptop-free travel. And the, uh, is the partner around still? There was the partner question. Yeah. So he's in California now. Um, he So the way the visa works in Australia is you have to do three months of work in a specific area in a specific type of job to get the second year. And so he just kind of left it to the last minute until it just didn't happen. So he's back in California. He's doing great. I'm doing great. We just talked today on um, FaceTime or Skype or whatever. Um, but... Yeah, we're just kind of like doing our own thing, but have each other across the world. And um, yeah, it feels really nice. 
we were traveling together for the first three months, like pretty almost like 24 seven. It's kind of hard. We didn't want to do that, but you have to actually schedule time to not hang out kind of to do your own thing in order for it to happen. And so it just wasn't happening. And then we kind of, um, did some solo travel in Asia. He went to Bali and I went to India and then we met back up in Cairns, which is where I was bartending, um, until he eventually left Australia. But yeah, so he's still around, but he's just not around. <laughs> yeah, got it. Cool. Thanks for the update on that. And congratulations on the uh, non-laptop decision. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any other words of uh, wisdom or advice for anybody that's considering doing something along the lines of what you've done? Yeah. Think about how your current job or whatever is making you feel. And you only have one life. And, you know, I think it's a good idea to think about um, budget spending and, you know, making it happen. And I think also on the road, thinking about even if you have got that cushion, it's nice to have a cushion and pretend that you don't and then keep the cushion. And then like I can travel based on this year, this year and a half, I can keep this up for another three years or something. So just to, to let people know that it's a, it's a possibility, not for everybody, but like for most of the people in my age group, like my kind of friends, it's, it's possible if you, if you want it. Yeah. If you prioritize <laughs> yeah. and commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to Zero to Travel for ideas. <laughs> Thank you. Shameless plug there that I didn't, I didn't no, plug seriously, it. seriously though. though. <laughs> <laughs> You're sweet. Well, I do hope you come through Europe. I don't know, you know, if you want to keep that cushion, you might not come up to the Scandinavian countries because they're so expensive. <laughs> but if you do come through here, for sure, let me know. It'd be great to sit down in person and just have another chat. And um, yeah, I appreciate that we were able that you were able to follow up and we were able to keep getting in touch and kind of making this thing happen, even though it's a year and a half later. That's kind of a magical thing, right? To like get on a call a year and a half later and be like, hey, what what's happened? <laughs> right. And have that time capsule, I always think is a super cool thing. Something you'll have too that you can be like, oh, here's a, here's this time in my yeah, life. So you know, this is crazy. Well, be safe down there and take care of yourself. Yeah. Just uh, keep in touch. You too. And, yeah, let me know if there's anything I can do to uh, help. And uh, that, that goes for anybody listening as well. So uh, you're part of this community all and none of us are alone here. We might be in our individual wherevers in Australia or wherever. <laughs> That's kind of a nice thing too to think about. So yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome talking you jason yeah thanks becca there you have it what a show and becca's an amazing guest and uh, a really wonderful person i'm just thankful that she stayed on top of this and we were able to complete this uh, long interview a year and a half apart and put it all together for you so i want to thank her uh, for taking the time to to do this two-parter. And I want to thank you, my friend, for sticking around to listen. Again, if you like this style of show, these transition to travel episodes, I've done a, a handful of them. They're all uh, really incredible in their own unique ways. And uh, you really get to 
get a peek into the uh, the journey and and kind of put it all together. Something that's you know months or in this case over a year apart, and uh, really kind of see that before and after and how uh, how much of an impact travel can have on somebody's life and uh, and and we all get to learn from those stories, right? It's a beautiful thing. So if you go to zero travel.com, you can just search transition to travel, or uh, you can search that in the feed of uh, any of the uh, podcast apps or whatever that you have. And you can find other shows like that. So binge away, my friend, uh, a couple thoughts on uh, this show, you know, Becca mentioned kind of living that frugal lifestyle to save up money and also wanting to travel in that way. Because, you know, as we discussed, kind of it gets you closer to the culture we feel in in many ways. You know, if you're staying in the five star hotels all the time or whatever, you you can be a little disconnected, or maybe a lot disconnected, I should say. I was just thinking about what's going on in the world now, and it's kind of like what she was kind of describing to save money and living that frugal lifestyle is kind of like everybody's way of life right now with this pandemic and everything. We all or a lot of us are are just kind of home and hanging around, and I think. Uh, a silver lining in that is that we maybe come to appreciate some of the the more mundane activities of our life, right? And, and maybe, you know, just these short walks and the things that we do during our days, it's not as action-packed as it is when you're traveling around and going to a new country all the time or, or going to visit new places and seeing new things all the time. Uh, at least for me, it's, it's helped me kind of settle my mind a little bit and be, um, you know, content with some uh, of the at-home basic activities. And, you know, another advantage to that is, in a way, you know, you're not, we're not spending money on concerts and eating out and things like that. Uh, at least most of us aren't. And if you are, it's probably not at the level that it was before just because, you know, things are kind of closing down a lot and it's not good to get together with a lot of people all the time and things like that. So, in a way... This is also an opportunity to uh, save money for future travels. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up. I'm sure uh, maybe you've noticed, uh, I know statistically, people are saving more money than they have in the past. And that's a byproduct of what is going on. So, you know, it's just a reminder that this can go into your travel fund or some of it can uh, because... uh, you know, cutting back is is kind of been forced, but let's uh, let's use that to our advantage as travelers and <laughs> take that opportunity to you know take our frugal lifestyle and and, and maybe the the fruits of uh, of that the the extra money we might have and put it towards some future travel. So I just wanted to throw that little potential silver lining out there to keep things upbeat. And also, we talked a little bit about pace of life. You know, I just had a couple of thoughts on that because when Becca said the black cloud kind of followed her from her job, it wasn't that surprising to me in many ways because I think the perception can be that, you know, you quit your job and then you just go off traveling and everything's hunky-dory right away. But the reality is, yeah, your whole pace of life changes if you think about your daily life now and then if you go out on the road for a year or if you've done it before you know this uh, and even if you've done it many times it's still an adjustment every time right because you have to kind of slow down in a way uh, maybe you speed up in some ways 
whatever the case is, the pace of life changes. So we have our, you know, sort of rhythms and routines at home. We go out on the road. Those rhythms and routines are just different. And that different pace affects us as people, uh, whatever, good, bad, indifferent, uh, neutral, I should say. It can be all over the map, but uh, it's just another thing I think to pay attention to, to tune into within, in yourself, and and kind of uh, another way for a little bit of self-love and self-care, right? Like if we head out on the road, and maybe even if it's just for a weekend road trip, you know, we are disrupting our sort of regular pace of life, and... It, it, sometimes it's easy to get right into that new pace and, and joyful, and other times maybe not so much. So uh, let's just be easy on ourselves those times when it's maybe not so easy and, and we're struggling with the, uh, the adjustment of the new uh, pace of life or, or a different pace uh, of our days. That's okay. Let's just remember that, hey, it's, it's a change, and it, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to acclimate and there are things you can do, of course, if you have an awareness around that to kind of take care of yourself and, and maybe make sure that that's not something that's uh, too stressful for you. So anyway, just wanted to throw some thoughts out there. I never know when these types of uh, little audio rants, I maybe call them, or ideas hit your ears. So I hope uh, that and today's show in general has been uh, enjoyable for you and thought-provoking. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Let me reach into the the magical quote drawer here. Pull out a little, little something, something to send you off with. Um, Before I share this, I should remind you, get on that newsletter list. If you haven't signed up, zerototravel.com. Right when this is done, if you haven't signed up, sign up over there. We can stay in touch. You can get our uh, weekly newsletter and hear all about the workshops and the different things that we have going on to help you travel the world on your terms no matter what your situation or experience. Okay, this, uh, this quote is from Chung Zhu. It said, forget the years, forget distinctions, leap into the boundless and make it your home. There you go. <laughs> Have a wonderful day. Smile, take a chance today. Call up a, an old friend you haven't spoken to for a while. Do something for yourself. Thanks. Talk soon. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.